magic makers and welcome back to the metaphysical apothecary we are your hosts shannon and megan hi everyone also known as the scorpio sisters here to explore the mysterious the magical and the arcane this episode is going to be a little bit heavier than our usual fare. It's going to deal with a subject that I don't necessarily see addressed enough. And when Shannon and I were discussing it, she said she hadn't really seen it discussed either. And mm -hmm. it's the idea of basically twisted spirituality. So this all started because Shannon was telling me, hey, I'm seeing a lot of stuff about twin flames on my social media feeds what are your thoughts on this? Because we talk about spiritual stuff all the time. And I had just finished watching the Twin Flames cult documentary on Netflix. And they still exist. They're still active. Mm -hmm. The powers that be have not been able to gather enough evidence to shut them down as a cult. So naturally, my first thought was to be like, be really careful. Not that you... <laughs> <laughs> Not that you ascribe to anything Twin Flames. In fact, that's part of the reason why I brought it up. Because it's like, why are these Twin Flame bits and pieces of information coming on my social media streams, popping up in random places because Google thought I needed to see it for some bizarre reason? I don't subscribe to Twin Flames. I didn't subscribe to Soulmates when it was the Soulmate theory was presented. These are not things that are resonating or have resonated with me on a spiritual level. So I tend to be like, yeah, no, thanks. Bye. Uh-huh. And it's really disturbing because things like that not only steal credibility from people who are trying to practice alternative spirituality responsibly, it can be incredibly dangerous. Anytime there is a wide sweeping religion or spiritual practice, there are going to be cells of people who attempt to use that philosophy and twist it and manipulate it into something that they can use to exploit people. Mm -hmm. It's happened multiple times with Christianity, just in the 70s alone, I can think of three or four examples. There were the pseudo-Hindu Rajneeshi followers in the 80s and early 90s. That was a whole thing that happened in Oregon. If you have not heard about it, look it up. It's a wild story. But that was a tale of somebody using the Hindu religion and twisting it and spinning it to exploit people. And then, of course, you have all kinds of counterculture stuff that got really wild in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And that's probably when New Age slash pagan spirituality started to get a bad reputation in the mainstream because people were associating it with not just cult behavior, but also behavior where people were diving as far as they wanted to go and felt really good where they were and went absolutely no further. Like, I'm going to do mushrooms recreationally because they made me see God and I don't want to go any further than that with the mushrooms. <laughs> and today, it's even more urgent that we really, really vet the sources that we're looking at and the things that we're looking into, even if they're credible, even if we trust them. Question everything because it's so accessible these days. People are leaving the Christian church in droves and they're looking for something else because we are spiritual beings. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Having a human experience. 
Exactly. So we are looking for the truth, basically, and people are getting into the bare surface of specific things and deciding that they're going to use that little fragment to create something that makes them feel good in their ego. Mm -hmm. And they draw other people into it. And that's where it gets dangerous. For instance, if you hear anyone saying, oh, I vibe on the fifth dimension all the time, run. Yeah. They do not vibe on the fifth dimension all the time. It's physically impossible. You're on the third dimension. <laughs> Can you connect to fifth dimensional thinking? Yes. Sure. But especially if they're bragging about it. That's mm -hmm. one of the first red flags that you look for in vetting these things. If they're bragging about it, you need to get on my level. Then that means that they're living in their ego. And not in a good way. <laughs> It's all too easy to take spiritual concepts and feed an ego. Uh-huh. That's uh how we get people like Warren Jeffs and the other televangelists. Mm -hmm. Terrible people like that. So you'll meet these people everywhere. You'll meet them online. You'll meet them in the street. Because as I said, there are a lot of people leaving Christianity. They're looking for something else. And the information that we have about alternative dimensions, about vibration, about frequency, about paganism, about psychedelics and how they can affect your body and your mind and connect you more closely to a greater understanding of our place in the cosmos, about all of these alternative things. Everyone has access to this information now, which mm -hmm. is amazing. It's fantastic that we have this wealth of information, but many people do not use it responsibly. Yeah. I have to say that I'm actually guilty of this. When I first started my pagan journey, I look back and I'm, I'm very kind of embarrassed by some of the ways that I acted. I mean, it was growing pains. I was shedding my Christian skin, but I was very judgmental and egotistical about <laughs> about my practice and i would not have blamed people for cutting me off <laughs> at that point in my life i guess i've always had a dabble in paganism so i've always tried to have people around me to keep me in check right and thankfully when i would stray too far into know-it-all land i had people to tell me like you're being a know-it-all stop so that's a good indicator of whether or not a person is at a good distance down their path is whether or not they have those indicators or signs that, hey, you're being a know-it-all. Right. When your path is young, if you will, you don't really have those indicators because you don't know anything. Yep. And the mark of a good leader, if they're trying to teach others about the particular path that they've taken, is that they listen more than they speak. Mm -hmm. They honor ideas as they come. They're not prideful. They don't brag because they have security in what they know and in their abilities and their knowledge. Mm -hmm. The greatest power you can embrace is curiosity. Yeah. So if someone is not curious, if they shut you down whenever you question them, quote unquote, at the least, they're probably just not ready mm -hmm. to hear something new. At worst, they can be dangerous. Yeah. For anyone who has not heard of the Twin Flames cult, which is the one that started us thinking about doing this, they are run by a couple, a married couple, who started peddling this idea that everyone has a twin flame, which is essentially the way they're peddling it, a soulmate. The term soulmates is an old one, and it's become a term to mean that you need to find the other half of yourself. Twin mm -hmm. flame is the same way. Twin Flames is a more recent 
iteration of why you are not complete and whole unto yourself rhetoric. Every person is complete on their own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They started drawing people in, making them pay to take these really expensive courses on finding your twin flame and having these sessions that cost thousands of dollars per month in a subscription. They would pull people in and make them recruiters to pull more people in to the cult to find more vulnerable people, usually cisgender women, because women are conditioned to only value themselves insofar as whether or not they're in the relationship, the people around them. Mm -hmm. So you've got all of these women who are not confident in themselves being preyed upon by these people who are telling them, we can help you find that person that will complete you. And as a result, there were a lot of people who were being pushed to remain in toxic and dangerous relationships because they were being told that's your twin flame. You need to love him no matter how much he abuses you. There was at least one instance of a person who was arrested because she was being pushed by the cult leaders to stalk a person who was already in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And probably the most egregious thing that they have started doing in recent years is they've decided that twin flame means divine masculine and divine feminine, which means one man and one woman. Which, again, they're taking these ideas and they're bastardizing them. Mm -hmm. They're stripping them of all meaning and plugging in their own meaning to them. So they're matching two women together. They're saying, this person is your twin flame. People don't get a choice. And then they're saying to one of the women, you're the divine masculine. You need to start transitioning. Or they're mm -hmm. assigning people genders. Yeah. Which, is it impossible that through this, some people have discovered that they're actually transgender men? Absolutely. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way that you should be finding out. No, no. You should be able to be curious about yourself to explore your own gender presentation and your own sexuality without someone coming around and saying, hey, this is what you are definitively. Right, right. So if you encounter anyone like that, first of all, be very wary of soulmate, twin flame, and divine masculine, divine feminine content. Mm-hmm. Second of all, when you start to dive into creators on social media, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you like to frequent the most, make sure you're vetting them. Look for those red flags. Are they trying to tell people how to think, basically? Are they saying, this is correct and you are incorrect? And it may sound like that's what I'm doing right now, but the criteria for a cult is what we used to scaffold this episode. So please feel yeah. free to go vet what we're saying as well please bet what we're saying all the time yes all the time because we're not perfect we're historians we're scholars we're very well studied but true knowledge is knowing that you know nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> be in a constant state of curiosity to learning and bet everything mm-hmm so I would compare and contrast Twin Flames to two of my very favorite YouTube witches. Molly Roberts and Kellyanne Maddox are amazing. They're knowledgeable, they're fun, they are earnest, and they're curious. They're always curious. And they provide sources and resources for the things that they're saying. They encourage people 
to find freedom in their pagan practice and to explore the possibilities. They provide frameworks for people to further customize their spiritual practices. And they do both offer courses and services, but none of them are exorbitantly expensive, priced appropriately for what they're offering, which is a valuable service. And again, they never tell people how to think. They may say, this is what I do. This is what I think. This is what the experience that I have had. And then they want to know. They want to interact. They want to engage with their audience and say, hey, what experiences have you had? They get really excited about that. They don't charge anybody money beyond the services that they provide very clearly outlined as part of their brand. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a template, like I said, those are two of my favorites. Shannon introduced me to both of them. I I do love them. They are inspiring. Mm -hmm. So we want to dive into our theory and our thoughts around twin flames, soulmates, and the divine masculine and divine feminine to kind of give a framework of where these ideas may have come from, what they may really mean, and how they can actually be beneficial to those starting their alternative spiritual practice. These concepts and the way it was presented for a very long period of time before other theories started to come in to further expand upon them just trigger me. I do have a very negative visceral response to anything or anyone that tells me I am not whole and complete unto myself or does that to other people who might be vulnerable to think that they need something to complete them or need someone to make them happy and thus complete. Yeah, it's infuriating because especially divine masculine, divine feminine is often used in transphobic rhetoric Mm -hmm. and anti-non-binary rhetoric. So the term soulmate has come to mean that we're incomplete, that we need a new piece of the puzzle. In reality, soulmate does not mean romantic partner that completes mm-hmm. you. Soulmate, mate, the term can mean friend or yes. it can mean person who you have a close personal relationship with. If you think about it that way, it's just someone with whom your soul resonates. Your soul and their soul resonate together. You're both complete but you add value to each other's energy. You add Hmm. value to each other's lives. You can have more than one. Mm -hmm. In fact, you probably have several soulmates because your soul interacts and resonates with more than just a single thing or a single being or a single frequency. You don't just like one song in the entire world. You have a genre that you like or more than one genre that you like. Exactly. So if you're thinking about it that way, you have an entire soul cooperative that you could resonate with. And you probably will never find everyone who belongs in that soul cooperative in your current incarnation. Mm-hmm. I believe in reincarnation, and that could be one of the reasons that we have reincarnation, so that you can pull in these experiences and reignite these connections. Mm-hmm. So the mythos of twin flames is that when a soul was created, some being out in the cosmos decided that A, the soul was too powerful or too perfect or too something in being complete unto itself and decided to forcefully split the soul into two halves mm-hmm. that are constantly seeking each other out from lifetime to lifetime. Mm-hmm. And forgive the pun, that is their sole purpose is to find that other half to become complete and be truly happy 
Right. As I said before, anger triggers. Uh-huh. And that's what brought me to bring this topic up to Megan, because I don't have a good trigger reaction to these concepts. When people started to talk about soulmates as a more broad term, where we understand soulmates as more of a star pattern reflected in on a micro-macro level as above, so below, where a single star in the universe is more rare than a grouping of stars, a single soul is more rare than a group of souls coming into a life to experience it together. Mm -hmm. I was able to start resonating with that more because like, yeah, that makes sense. And it's also not diminishing the individual in any way, shape, or form. It's adding to the individual by also presenting allies, spiritual right. allies. Because I no one exists in a vacuum. No, definitely not. That's not how it works. But with the Twin Flames, it's still very new. And so presentation of a more rational, mm -hmm. I guess, understanding of it has not really been presented en masse. It hasn't spread. If it started anywhere, it hasn't really spread very far. Right. Um, so just the fact that it was coming up on these social feeds or being presented to me by the powers that be algorithms was triggering. And I had to present it to Megan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is triggering me. Can we talk about this? Because I think I've figured something out. Yeah. Well, I think that Twin Flames, I'm not sure of the origins. Let me just put that out there. Yeah. But I think that it's actually just a replacement for the term soulmate because soulmate has become reclaimed and more of a generalized concept in terms of that. It's just a sexier, more modern term for soulmate because soulmate is hackneyed and it's also taken on a new meaning. So now your Twin Flame, that sounds really mysterious and metaphysical. But when I hear the term twin flames, if I was to interpret it, it would describe to me a reflection of one person's light to another person's light. So there's this exchange of light or an exchange of benefit that can pass between two people. And that's not necessarily exclusive to two people. So it takes the soulmate concept where you have this community of souls that support and care for each other and pass through lives together in various configurations and apply the more reasonable Twin Flames ideology to it, you start to create this web of connection, reflection, curiosity, love, and support among these people. It builds on this concept that everyone has a soul community and you are the center of your soul community and everyone else is as well. So it creates this giant, webbing of souls and of consciousnesses that if we could get our shit together <laughs> mm -hmm. could absolutely resonate together in harmony as it is we are imperfect we live in an imperfect world and an imperfect dimension so we're still learning these lessons when we resonate with each other, we can learn from each other. When we reflect ourselves in each other, we can learn from each other that way and get better. One way this could work is that something that your best friend does triggers the ever-living fuck out of you. And then you suddenly realize you're projecting because it's an unconscious habit of theirs, but they're doing something that you feel ashamed of in yourself or you feel weird about in yourself. 
maybe your friend is constantly changing your hair and that pisses you off for absolutely no reason. Maybe you have a stigma around your hair or your physical appearance that you can address and your friend can help you with that. Mm-hmm. It's a very small example, but I know that there are things about me that trigger Shannon and vice versa, and we talk about them when they come up. I'm staying away from the romantic connections, but we talk about them when they come up, and the result is that we're both more enriched and have a greater understanding of each other, ourselves, and thus the people around us as well, because everybody is an individual, but we're all made of the same components. Mm-hmm. There's also a theory out there that's just floating around there. I don't know that there's scientific evidence to back this up, but it's just something that I really like and it feels right to me, is that the people we are drawn to are comprised of the atoms that were next to the atoms that comprise our body when the universe first formed. After the Big Bang, when all of the matter in the universe was spread all across the cosmos, when it was still just basically bare elements just floating in space, Their atoms and your atoms were close together, so you recognize each other now. Mm -hmm. And because all of the atoms were surrounded by all of the other atoms, there's infinite potential for you to resonate with other people. So to bring some rational thinking to the twin flame rhetoric and mythos, what I presented to Megan, and this is, as far as I know, personal gnosis, so please vet and research and dive as deep as you want and argue about it, debate about it, (laughs) piece it all together because, like I said, this is not something that I've seen on the internet anywhere. I haven't seen it presented by anyone else, but multiple discoveries happen at the same time all the time. So we'll see. Maybe it becomes more prominent in the future. My personal gnosis is that the Twin Flames mythos and rhetoric is actually a telling of how the atoms separated from the universe and how the spiritual consciousness, the soul, separated from the universal creator, the universal spirit, the universal force, energy, and became individual. So instead of it being multiple single souls created and then split forcefully, to always continuously look out for and look for their other half to make them whole, it's a process of multiple souls separating from a higher consciousness to experience human life and to go back to that higher consciousness. Uh-huh with information that they've gathered from their curious wanderings in human experience, maybe other experiences too, other dimensional experiences, potentially experiences as insects or animals or algae, the experiences that these souls learn from, they bring that information back to higher conscious and then potentially separate again. Right. So it's all coming from the same source. You have this continuous cycle of discovery and deposit of knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm that subconsciously we all have access to, which is what causes these seeming coincidences. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is something that I have not seen anywhere. So personal gnosis, find vocabulary that resonates better with you. But I do feel that even the triggering concepts that are presented in a shallow way, like the original soulmate presentation or this iteration with twin flames there's deeper knowledge that comes along with the shallow presentation it just takes a little while to get there right 
Hopefully this evolves out into the true meaning of whatever this phrase is supposed to mean, or the term Twin Flames will have a stigma on it that can't be erased anytime mm-hmm. soon, and a new terminology will pop up to describe this. Yeah. But just a few examples of simultaneous invention or multiple discovery include lightning rods were invented by both Benjamin Franklin and Prokop Devis separately in the United States and Bohemia between 1749 and 1754. Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace both independently theorized on the evolution of species and published their works in 1858. And then you have Dmitry Ivanovich Mendeleev and Julius Lothar Meyer independently and separately published their versions of the periodic table of chemical elements between 1869 and 1870. So you have multiple scientific discoveries occurring at the same time. And it's not just. Spirit and science where these multiple discoveries happen. In arts and humanities, there's something called twin films phenomena that Hollywood actively tries to not do. But they can't help it. No, they can't. (laughs) There's a lot of examples of this. In video games, for instance, the World of Warcraft and EverQuest 2 released their MMO games in November of 2004. It's more or less presented as the same game with the same objectives done by two different video studios to be released on the same time. And you know they didn't do it on purpose because they don't want to compete with each other. No. And in fact, EverQuest 2 ended up with a lot less subscriptions and faded away. Yeah, because I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. In 1958-59, The Fly and the Wasp Woman were released. Those are two films about humans being transformed into giant insects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was part of our initial research, but in the early 2000s, A Bug's Life and the movie Ants. Yep. Came out at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember people talking about it. Yeah. It was going to happen again, too, with Pixar and DreamWorks working on the same concept. And DreamWorks just happened to get Rio out first. And so Pixar dropped the project because they didn't want to do Ants and a Bug's Life again. Right. In 2010, you have Despicable Me and Megamind coming out at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're both animated films about a very sinister, stereotypical, cartoonish villain that actually has a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. And Megamind's amazing. If you have not seen Megamind, I can't recommend it enough. It does not pass the Bechtel test, but it really tears apart the incel basement guys. Despicable Me overshadowed Megamind, which is usually what happens for one reason or another people are going to gravitate toward one more than the other and that's going to be the one that's remembered Mm -hmm. even if it's a movie that's got the same theme but are in different genres one will overshadow the other right the notable exception to this could be the 1994-95 release of the priscilla queen of the desert and tu wong fu thanks for everything a lot of people know both movies Mm. I feel like the reason that people know about both of them and like both of them is because they're both about drag queens Mm -hmm. and the subject matter was so rare to see representation that people were latching on to anything they could get. Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, is an exception to the rule because in 1964, 
there were films released about accidental nuclear war and the core concept of these two movies end up being the same but they're drastically different genres and it's dr strangelove and the other one was failsafe i've never heard of failsafe but i I never have either i have seen dr strangelove it's very entertaining but they're two different movies. One is a drama and the other one is kind of satire, funny haha. Which is really interesting because usually they're in the same genre. Exactly. So even when it's not in the same genre, there is still a gravitation towards one or the other with very few exceptions. Right. So this is at least loose evidence that there's a collective consciousness going on here, Mm -hmm. that we're all drawing from the same source material, but it's varied enough that we are all complete individuals. And our interpretation of that same information is going to be varied because of how individual we really are. Right. Including the idea of sexuality and gender. Mm Mm-hmm two of the other phrases that have been viciously misused and used to exploit people are the divine masculine and the divine feminine in general this is just the alternative spirituality community's answer to the evangelical christian god created man and woman Mm -hmm. question it's solely to try and force people into two nice, neat little boxes, and you're not only enforcing the gender binary, but also the gender spheres and stereotypes. And where presentation. The man, mm-hmm, where the man is the strong breadwinner and the woman is the submissive, basically, servant of the relationship. The docile domestic. Yes. Whereas divine feminine and divine masculine are really titles to describe much broader and more complex ideas. They were never meant to box anybody into a specific gender or a specific gender role. They were meant to describe different aspects of human energy. So you can embody one or the other, regardless of your sex or gender. Mm -hmm. You can embody a combination of both, which most people do embody a combination of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, because we all carry masculine and feminine energy within us in different combinations. Yeah. And to offer some historical evidence, the ancient peoples of certain parts of Europe used to do a crafting, potentially ritual or magic of some sort, connection with their divine feminine. They would look down at their own bodies and craft what we now call Venuses of Willendorf. Yep. And a lot of those bodies that are shown are not AFAB. Right. So you had individuals who were maybe transgender themselves, non-binary, maybe they were men who were connecting to their femininity, going through the same process of looking down at their body and presenting Venus with their body as her body. Right. And this concept of the gender binary is relatively new, and it's a very Christian concept. So most indigenous communities all over the globe have more than two genders. You have First Nations cultures throughout North and South America that have up to five genders. Most people at this point have heard of two-spirit. That is a non-binary identity specific to First Nations people. In South Asia, there are multiple expressions and concepts of gender. There's a very specific word for men who present as women. They're not necessarily transgender women. They're men who are wearing women's clothing and love presenting as feminine, and that actually makes them feel more masculine. Mm -hmm. 
there's a tradition in at least one African culture of female men. We would probably call them transgender men, but they're AFAB folks who become male warriors through certain initiation rituals. And they have their own culture within the greater tribe. So they keep themselves separate, but they have a very specific role as well. Mm -hmm. If you look at this throughout antiquity, human beings are not meant to be shoved into these two boxes. So using the terms divine masculine and divine feminine to try to do that is disingenuous at best and it's abusive at its core. Yeah. And it's not just abusive towards other people. It ends up being abusive to yourself because if you identify as cisgendered, if you're using these terminologies in a disingenuous and or abusive way, it implies that you don't have the other. Mm -hmm. And that is abusive to yourself. You too have a divine feminine, a divine masculine, and a divine third. Right. At the least. Right. So instead of divine masculine, we could say it's electric, it's projective, it's sharp, sharp. Yeah. Whereas divine feminine is magnetic, it's receptive, it pulls in, it summons, it's softer and rounder, but there's no less strength there. A good way to break down binary thinking in terms of this would be to study the Taoist concept of yin and yang and the characteristics assigned to them. But even if you look at the yin-yang symbol, you have the white and the black, and there's a speck of each color in each of them. And they're in perfect balance with each other. They cannot exist in a vacuum by themselves. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at these concepts, hopefully we've provided framework that will allow you to determine whether or not this is something that you want to engage with and it's good information or it's something that maybe you want to take a closer look at and red flag for the future. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that we shouldn't know about the darker, more exploitative sides of our spirituality. In fact, we should understand them really intimately. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, I'm going through a cult phase where I'm watching a lot of cult documentaries, but it's been very eye-opening in terms of spiritual movements and being able to protect yourself while you're building your practice and building your community. Mm -hmm. The reason why this becomes very important why diving into the dark side and the dark aspects of spiritual concepts and learning your own definitions or learning the definitions that resonate with you is because it's incredibly important for you to have self-agency. Yeah. There's so many things in our current society and civilization that is trying to disempower the individual in order to set a status quo and thus take away self-agency. And one of them shouldn't be spiritual concepts. Mm -hmm. That should be something that is utterly and completely an individual, self-validating, self-valuing, and self-propelled path that you follow at your own pace, taking the turns that you want to take, going off the path when you want to go off the path, to find your own path, to make your own path, to climb a tree. Mm -hmm. That's utterly and completely up to you. And it doesn't track that having something or someone else tell you what your spiritual path or concepts should mean to you. It's all about trying to make sure that you are empowered in and of yourself. So that way you can deal with all the other things in society that are trying to tell you how to think, how to be, who to be, and why to be that way. Right. So when you see certain things, you don't necessarily have to run the other way, but take them in with a grain of salt. And if it feels weird, it probably is weird. Trust your instincts. Yes. 
The point is to keep yourself safe. Mm -hmm. That's all we have on our topic for today. Thank you so much for listening in, and we hope you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest for more witchy wisdom, both here and on our blog. And you can also check out our original art on Society6 for sacred decor and more. Thanks again for joining us. Go make some magic and live your best life. Bye.